You did the thing again though, Justin. I knew it was coming even before you said anything because you lean forward <laughs> and then you turn your head like this. Claire, you and I are never like, playing poker. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. you're looking around me. Yeah. I'm literally oh, so between you, you and Philip. Like, no, I, 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 every time, every time I see Justin do that, I kind of like, I get, I get ready. I like, I sort of take a warrior <laughs> position. I'm like, all right, here we go. Hi there, this is Amber Tamblin, and I play Kimberly Campbell Cunningham on Why the Last Man, and you are listening to That Episode Was. Hi, we're Popsicle, and in this episode, we'll be offering opinions and reactions to Why the Last Man, Episode 8, Ready, Aim, Fire, uh, in which a Costco employee finally loses their shit. Holy cow. Um... Why the Last Man follows a diverse group of survivors. Survivors, start that over. Why the Last Man follows a diverse group of survivors after an apocalyptic event leaves York Brown as the world's only remaining human with a Y chromosome. Dele developed. It's going to be a tough day, guys. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you have them. Developed for television by Eliza Clark and streaming on FX on Hulu. The show is based on the Vertigo comic series of the same name by writer Brian K. Vaughn and artist Pia Guerra. This episode is written by Coleman Herbert and directed by Karina Evans. Now, as uh, we say every time, you know, there's gonna be spoilers because we're actually talking about the episode. So go watch the show. Um, it needs to, it, it deserves the views um, and then come back here and, and catch up on what we're talking about uh, and stick around. This is a bit of a longer episode and that's partially because we are talking a little bit with um, uh, uh, Ashley Romans who plays uh, Agent 355 and Eliza Clark, the showrunner um, about episode eight. Um, a little bit of a carryover from our interview that we released a few days ago with them. So stick around because they're going to have some things to say about episode eight as well. I am Philip Kelly. I've written movies for production companies that are sitting on shelves and uttered words of, on stages that are but a whisper in the ether. Um, you can see some of my stuff on YouTube and Vimeo if you want. Uh, and we are down a co-host again this week. Kelly Sue will not be joining us. So we'll be reading some of her hot takes as we go. But here is who is with me, Justin Penniston. Uh, the writer of Hunter Black Comics, Sonic Prime on Netflix, and the story of my ultimate demise, most likely. Um, hi, Justin Penniston. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it will be a long, drawn-out, and painful demise. Hey, so. hey, it'll it'll be interesting. A lot of boring. screen time. You get a lot of screen time. <laughs> a long second act. We got a long second act before that uh, third act gets. And here is uh, your Oscar <laughs> moment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got Lisa K. Weber. Uh, she makes us visually appealing, and for that, we are forever thankful. Uh, she's the artist and co-founder of Hex 11, along with Kelly Sue, who's the writer of Hex 11. Um, and we've got Claire Thorne. She's the only one in this group uh, who I would want to be with around, you know, during an apocalypse. She would help us survive um, and calmly cross-stitch the entire time. Uh, check out her geeky guide to cross-stitch journeys into space. Um, hi, Claire. Hi. I don't know that I'd be calmly cross-stitching, but yeah. Okay. And, and hi, Lisa. I don't know if I said hi to you. I was just kind of jumping around. You there. didn't. Hi, Lisa. Hi. I'm making up for hey, it right everybody. now. Hey, everybody. Lisa, Lisa Weber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and boy, I know that uh, we want to get talking about this episode um, because, uh, and we're going to start with the the juiciest of it all. Uh, <laughs> the Miss, Missy Pyle is Roxanne. I mean, well, first of all, this is the first episode I think we're getting without Yorick. Um, it's, I know it's the first episode we're getting that takes place all in one location instead of jumping around. Um, and uh, fuck guys, Roxanne, I, um, I do feel like this is the quirkiest episode we've seen because it's really focusing on her character a lot of the time and her character is like kind of quirky. <laughs> She's insanely like fun to watch. Um, uh, you know, and so we that the way that the shot and directed, it feels like the extension of her character. But it also for me feels like it's the first episode that actually uh, looks and feels like a comic book from the way the panels, uh, the way it's shot feels like there are panels. Um, when she's laying in the grass, she's laying there and she lifts the gun up and fires into the air. I saw three panels laid out across the page, like filling time like that. Um, so I, I did feel that quite a bit this episode uh, as well. And I, I, I love that about it. Um, but I want to, uh, you know, uh, Kelly Sue says that Missy Pyle, uh, as a badass evil cult leader, pretend detective is sexy AF. And the scene in the Price Max office is every woman's experience, period. Um, and from there, I'll hand it off to the, the three of you to talk about the creation of Roxanne and then transition from the cult Costco to the Amazonians. Uh, why don't uh, we start with Claire? Claire. Hi, Claire. I, yeah, I... I don't know what I was entirely expecting to get from Roxanne. Um, it was not what we got. I mean, I, I'm delighted in what they have created with her character. I could not have guessed in a million years, I don't think, all of these fascinating details. And to have gotten it all in one episode, like it was just really masterfully done. These flashbacks were unsettling um, and fascinating and interesting and kind of funny the whole sequence where she's trying to get rid of the dead bodies was just oh my god that was amazing um it yeah it just i i love every single aspect of her um it she feels like a lot of women that I, I think I kind of understand in a way, because I think I'm one of these women to some degree. She's, she's one of these women who desperately wants to have a sisterhood, right? She wants to connect with people who have had her experience, but she just doesn't have that social skill to connect to people. Um, and I think in some ways, it, that can be very difficult woman to woman. You know, I think there've been times where I felt it easier to relate to men because I can, I can feel comfortable like explaining to men what it's, what it is to be me. Right. I know that I have to explain things to them, whereas other women have the same experience and that that calls for a very different dynamic. And you would think that it always like provides automatic understanding and people just, you know, and sometimes that's true, but sometimes I think it's a barrier between women to really um, connecting in a way that's supportive. And um, yeah, I just, I, I see that and feel that. So it kind of just, you know, reverberates off of her, this sense of just not being able to connect 
probably with anyone really, but, but I, you know, we're feeling it about women in this story, obviously. So I, I was more nervous. I, I am more nervous and have been more nervous about this flipping Costco um, than I am about like the Pentagon, the Pentagon, we should feel nervous about. There's a, literally a mob of angry insurrectionists, you know, just kind of camped out outside the Pentagon that should feel really terrifying. And it doesn't, but this Costco, which there doesn't seem to be anybody assaulting it, right? Like they've got all these defenses up, but ain't nobody there, but them, it has felt like such a danger. Uh, and so I'm glad we survived this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we did too. That would have been awful if we all would have died with it. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, uh, Lisa, what are, what are you thinking about all this? Boy, um, this entire episode for me was the high watermark um, so far. I, I really like being able to like just really like stay in the one place and like really like dive into all the dynamics that are happening here along with like these like the amazing reveal of like missy pile like when i that first scene where she's like you know dragging the bodies through and i'm like and she finds the cop car out there in the parking lot and i'm like oh my god I had no idea. I had no idea this. I mean, how could you know this was coming? That she was like pretending to be a cop, that all of this was made up. Um, and it was so masterfully done. Like you were saying, Claire, like the, the pacing of the flashbacks and like um, the timing of how everything got revealed was so perfectly done. Um, and then it kind of, I know we're going to talk about Nora in a second, but it's like, it's hard to talk about the Roxanne arc without talking about the Nora arc at the same time, because like, again, like you were saying, Claire, like this, you know, she, she wants to be this person. This is the person that like in this post-apocalyptic identity breakdown, this is the person she's always wanted to be. And so she's like, well, here's my fucking chance. I'm going to do it. And, um, for Nora, like talking about wanting to be this magnetic personality that people flock to and people want to stay with. And it's like, Nora can't do that herself. Like she wants the numbers as well, but it's like, she cannot get people to like her. She can't even get her own daughter to like her. <laughs> and, um, but to like use the skill to um, the skill that she does have to make Nora into that person and like use her political prowess to be like, this is how I'm going to take care of myself. Um, it's all, it all just works together so beautifully, so amazingly. Um, I mean, like, God damn it. This episode was so fucking <laughs> And it's like, I, yeah, I'll save the, the extra stuff I have to say about Nora. I'll save, but I'll, I'll try and stick as much as I can in this very moment to Roxanne. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know what else to add besides um, Missy Pyle is fucking amazing in this episode. Like to go from like the character that she's created um, this Roxanne, the homicide cop. Um, and see the origins as Roxanne assistant manager at the price max is 
and it's like she's so believable in both roles you know that uh, yeah I'm, it's just so good oh my god <laughs> I don't know what else to say <laughs> Justin go ahead and uh, jump in there um first I mean you can't say enough good things about Missy Pyle in this episode um like she went through there were a number of permutations to her character in this episode and the opening scene when she shoots kate you know that threatening and then anguished and almost losing it you know version of herself um when i saw her looking into the police car i thought wait is she not a cop <laughs> i said and i said well don't jump to conclusions that's what i said to myself don't jump to conclusions wait wait wait, wait. just keep watching and then when you see her discovering the women in the shelter and the the longing way in which she watches them the longing and uncertain way that she watches them i was like oh she's definitely not a cop and oh my god like my heart kind of opened to her a little bit there you know what i mean because she definitely i mean what a great literal way of saying she is on the outside looking in you know um and yeah, you know, you juxtapose this scared, uncertain, you know, assistant manager with this confident, domineering, you know, homicide detective. And it's that A, that was fascinating. And then once Nora basically lays the smack down, it's like, look, I know who and what you are. I got your back as long as I'm taken care of you're going to lose these girls anyway, you know? And then when she's the cult leader, finally, if for real, but the cult leader under duress, you know, like all of that is there in, in her, as she's delivering this speech, you know, to the daughters of the Amazon and what a fucking origin story for the daughters of the Amazon, mm. you know, because yeah. I mean, they are, they just appear in the comic, you know what I mean? And you know the the leadership is and i love the comic but the leader of the amazon daughters of the amazon in the comic is not anything close to what i would call a compelling figure do you know what i mean it's not a character you want to know more about you know uh, i mean I, I was so impressed with the creation of this character the writing of this character and the performance of this character you know this is this is a moment when the show truly transcends the source material and improves on it. And Absolutely. like, you know, I, I've been wrestling with my perception of the source material and the show and, you know, and accepting them as two very different entities. But now we're actually seeing in these last two episodes, because it's the same with the, the women's prison. There is, you know, that, that is very much there in the comic, but it's not the same and this feels more real and more urgent, for lack of a better term. Um, I, I was super impressed with this episode. This was a true piece of character work that maybe the show hadn't really, really had just yet, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I agree with that assessment. There's a, there's a focus in this episode to we haven't focused so much on one character mm. uh, for so consistent for such a consistent period of time 
um, to really define and and I, obviously they had a lot of catching up to do so it made sense to do that with this character especially going forward how important it feels like she's going to be um i thought it was an interesting choice in the storytelling as well that when she's murdering people she's murdering women um like she's gunning down women that come into the store uh and and i, I just do murder yeah 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 exactly just whoever comes in it's like uh she needs to feel what it's like to be to have that power you know, I, I think, and, and to have that control, I, I, I certainly, I don't under, I don't understand it to that degree, but I certainly understand during the pandemic, I, I felt the need to have control over things that were happening and, uh, you know, tightened to a degree, not, I didn't murder anyone that I won't speak of, but. Well, um, and like the, the process she went through in that too, because the first girl comes in and she mm -hmm. like empties the entire gun and, like, <laughs> yeah. ah, ah, ah. and the second girl comes in and it's just one bullet and she's like done. Yeah. And like the expression on her face when she kills the second girl with just one bullet is like, yep, this is who I am now. Yeah, she's yeah. I've completed she's, my becoming. It's she's almost exactly. satisfied. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah. it tells you something about the intelligence of her character in that she recognizes that she can't just say to herself, oh, I want to pretend to be a homicide detective. She understands that she actually has to build mm -hmm. muscle memory and emotional memory and yeah. like like some part of her is saying, yeah, you, you need to, to actually be able to do what it is you're going to pretend to be. Yeah. It's yeah, interesting. exactly. I mean, it's such, yeah, it's such a well-written character defining episode. Um, and, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll jump over to uh, Nora Brady here because like, I didn't see this coming at all. Holy shit. Uh, this was amazing. Um, Marin Ireland, Ireland also did an incredible job. Uh, in this episode as someone who is completely out of options um, and is literally about to hit rock bottom, but then, oh, oh wait, <laughs> let me just like turn the entire tables of power here. Um, and like, I don't know how, obviously I haven't read the graphic novel, um, so I don't know how any of this adheres to the comic books or how surprising, I mean, it sounds like, Justin, it's surprising to you anyway. I, can, kind of I mean, I can happening. tell you this without it being much of a spoiler. Yeah. Roxanne is not a character in the comics and neither is Nora. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. So I finally get to ask the three of you, where the hell do you think all this is going to go? Like, because this is, um, Nora is playing her role that she was playing in the beginning just to an audience that she'd prefer. Like, instead of to like some douchebag guy, you know, uh, she's doing it to... Uh, empower women you know it's it's such an interesting parallel but also divergent from what she was in the beginning um well uh, i Lisa, so yeah. after our um after our interview yesterday yeah. with showrunner eliza clark go and listen <laughs> to that episode um i it, it inspired me to go back and watch rewatch the first two episodes so i rewatched the first two episodes last night and um it's to kind of because she had talked about like you know this feeling of like when you watch the whole series and then you go back in the beginning and you see how far everyone is from where they started like there should be that like you know that feeling of like oh wow this is where this person started and I was so I went back to kind of see where Nora started and it was like oh wow <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah it's like you know she was close to the president, but it's like, if you rewatch, especially that first episode, um, 
he's also just really dismissive of her and Mm -hmm. like you can tell that it's like she is going Nora is starts this series going through her life being largely dismissed and it's like she has this feeling like she is maybe more important than she is as evidenced in the second episode when she gets like turned away um at the gates to the capital and it's like you know if if they needed you they would have come for you weeks ago and so she's and like you know then it's she's just constantly being dismissed and dismissed and dismissed and dismissed and so to see her kind of come to this moment like that's not that's not who I am anymore I will not be dismissed anymore um I'm going to make myself the most important person to this important person and it's not going to be a repeat of my relationship with the president this is the this is the time where I'm going to be the one who's really pulling the strings um and so to kind of like see her like you said, ascension to that place in this episode is really impressive from where she started. And to answer the question of where do I think this is going? I don't fucking know. (laughs) Like like this episode was so surprising and so unexpected that like, I'm, I'm just like, okay, you've, I'm, I'm being led on whatever path y'all want me to go on. I can't make any predictions at this point. go ahead i was gonna say i honestly went from a moment in the in the scene where she's by the river with the backpack in the grass and you know he has the gun and she's certainly psyching herself up you know and kind of making the decision or whatever's you know it's completely without words right i in my head i was resigning myself to oh my god she's going to abandon her daughter with these people and and leave um so to go from that to what we actually get by the end of the episode, even just within, you know, a, a few short minutes was, wow, what a, what a whiplash. Um, but I do, I really, I, I appreciate that they give her that moment of just going, oh, okay, I can use my skills. I do know how to do this. Um, I don't, I don't expect her to have any more, job fulfillment <laughs> now than she did in the past out other than you know like lisa said being able finally to say hey look i'm i've figured out how to assert myself and i won't be ignored anymore i won't be set aside um it you know she's she certainly has that empowerment i don't think she's going to respect Roxanne in any degree. I do think it's going to be interesting kind of like the way we have this question about who's the real villain back in DC uh, between um, Kimberly and uh, who's the Regina. 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 Sorry. Regina Why, Regina. How on earth could I have forgotten that? Um, <laughs> anyway, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to see in the, you know, just how capable Nora is to, you know, acting completely without any moral consideration outside of, you know, taking care of what, you know, protecting what it is she feels she needs to protect. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure who's going to be scarier, um, going forward, Nora or Roxanne. I, 
It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. I am very glad though, that in Roxanne's speech from the back of the truck that she addressed, uh, one of Justin's initial, um, points, ah. points of, <laughs> of comic, uh, nerd explaining to us that, that, that the, the well, Amazon actually, yes. yeah, actually, I really felt like she was doing that. Well, actually the Amazons, uh, lopped off one breast so that they could uh, fire more, more accurately with their bows and arrows. It was not a strength issue. Justin. Um, I, of course, clapped a little bit, you know, when that (laughs) happened. Um, So, I mean, I think at least what's going to happen, at least in part, is sort of given to us at the end of the episode, I think, Mm -hmm. insofar as Nora says to Roxanne, this is unsustainable. There are no men left to hate. But of course, there is at least one, you know, um, in the sense of, you know, I, I think these women and their hates differentiate between cis men and trans men, you know, and there is one cis man out there. And I think the monkey wrench in the works is for them to find out that he's out there. Um, and because not only does that create a complication for, uh, for the power struggle at the top of the daughters of the Amazon, it creates a complication for Yorick, you know, uh, and, Hero. and so I think, I think that's inevitable. I think, yeah. um, I think it's it, certainly the daughters of the Amazon are not being introduced in order to not intersect the quote unquote main storyline you know mm-hmm. um and i can see a version of something that happens in the comics a coming okay we'll see yeah you know yeah yeah um yeah this uh it's interesting because when when she came into that house with the the first for the first time and it was like a detective you know police officer or whatever uh there were shots fired outside i was like oh god damn it she fired those shots that's where my head went immediately mm-hmm. and i was like what's going on really here? from that very first scene you already knew that she ha- that she was faking well i didn't know that she was faking being a cop i i figured that she was the one who fired the shots to manipulate them to come with her mm-hmm. but yeah, I, it, I i sort I, of picked up on that much yeah. as well yeah, yeah. As, it, as it went along though like i i, I was like genuinely surprised um mm-hmm. Because she's been pulling off the cop act so well, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and the writing and everything, and it, it just like you know we we talk about surprises in stories, like oh that caught me off guard, um, and sometimes surprises like that don't make sense. But here, like even it's surprising, but it all fits together so well, and it all makes such amazing sense. Um, uh, and you know, Justin, you were just talking about. Um, how the Amazons uh, going after York will create a problem for York, but it'll, I think it'll also create a problem for Hero then, because now she's wrapped up in all this hook, line, and sinker. And we're going to talk about uh, Hero and Sam when we come back here after this uh, short message. Welcome back, everybody. everybody. Um, uh, so there's one element of this uh, 
kind of con location contained story that we haven't talked about. Um, and that's the, the story of Hero, oh Hero, <laughs> oh poor Hero, and Sam, who's just a, a lovely human being. Um, and, and kind of what's going on with uh, the two of them. Uh, Can I ask, what is it that makes Sam a lovely human being to you? Uh, I saw that written and I almost interrupted the flow of the podcast earlier. I was like, why, why do you think Sam is lovely? I just think he's, uh, he's a kind person. Uh, he's just a genuinely kind and good person, I feel. Uh, really? You so, think he's good? What, what is, what, what, where are the, ki what are the I, kindnesses that he's been showing? I, I, well, I'm genuinely asking. I'm not right. because I don't see that at all. Uh, like, what do you see? I'm curious now. Well, yeah, I well, see. How would you I describe Sam? I would describe Sam as a. I mean, he's Hero's friends for a reason. I mean, she's a douche, and he's kind of a douche, hmm. you know. And like, so in what am I the only one Sam who remembers the way he treated Nora for no? Like, Nora has never done anything to him. I think I I put that more on Nora than on Sam. Yeah, I do well, too. I do look, too. Yeah, but I put that more on Nora. Uh, yeah. See, look, I for me, someone has to earn being treated a certain way. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I mean, everyone kind of shits on Nora. I, I see that. And I get and you can say, okay, well, the common denominator is Nora, except I've never seen Nora do anything but be a little pathetic. Do you know what I'm saying? Anytime she does something that's scary, like smashing the, the vase or something, she's by herself, you know. Um, so I don't know how she's earned people's contempt. And I think that I think that Nora has earned people's contempt, not not, not in her like there's a lot of subtext right so there's you know she meets up with hero and sam back in episode four i think it was right and um she's you know she ends the episode like you know giving hero this warning because she knows who hero is and like it's i mean it's not necessarily a threat but the I, I took it entire, as a yeah the whole entire situation at this costco at this price max is so um like tenuous i mean they came into the price max situation with a dead body on a table you know so it's like there's clearly like a threat just in being here and yeah i think that nora i agree nora was probably just issuing a warning but then it's like okay well then we know who you are now nora that you right. used to be this person in the inner circle of the president who we are ideologically opposed to let's also not forget that like when they came across mackenzie and nora for the first time in that store Nora was like flipping out and threatening them as they sure. were trying to I, help I, I, Mackenzie. I think, but that was maybe so the most that it's like understandable some, threatening quote. But I think that I'm, I'm only saying all of these things because it's like, you know, there's a lot. I mean, there's clearly a lot we haven't seen in the moments between when they enter the Costco and where we are now. Sure. But it's like, I don't think that sam's reaction to nora is out of the blue like i don't think he's 
I don't think he reacts to her. I don't think um, Sam's villainous. I don't think mm-hmm. Sam's bad. I just don't think Sam's necessarily lovely. Sam is a party dude who gave up on his friends because of Hero, who um, basically is trying to keep Hero all to himself. I did not like, I mean, Hero is awful, no doubt. But in that conversation with, with Sam, Sam's masculine energy, like for the first time, I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, it, it, it was telling to me because I saw why, you know, when I fight with my wife to an onlooker, that must be, I must look like the biggest bully in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because she's 5'4", and I'm 6'5", you know, and I'm big and loud and like masculine, that, that masculine energy, you know, can be really off-putting and scary. And and I got that from Sam. Like, I, I'm not, I don't want to say that Sam is a bad person because that's not what I'm trying to get at. But I also feel like Sam hasn't done anything to earn the descriptor lovely person, lovely human being. Hmm. I have not seen kindness from Sam. I have not seen generosity from Sam. I have not seen a whole lot of virtue from Sam. I've seen, look, I've been scared for Sam since Sam came into the show. You know what I mean? Like Sam is the person who I'm constantly like, please don't kill Sam, please don't kill Sam, please don't kill Sam, you know? But what has Sam done other than be a marginalized person to warrant the descriptor lovely human being? That's what I'm getting at. He... Well, I mean, the, his first action that he took in the story, and you put a weird spin on this, but he stayed behind to be with Hero, not for himself right. necessarily, but you called him, they called him, well, how do you label it? Like a party dude or something like that? Yeah, they, yeah they, they're party. Look, sure. they drink and do drugs together. That's what they do. Sure. You know but do, do, you that's, think that's, do you think that's why he stayed behind for her? No, I think he loves her. Well, I, that's, that's. I think a, he genuinely loves her. That's, but that's, that's wonderful. Love to me. is not a. He gave up the safety of being with a group of his friends that that were that had uh, 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 testosterone, if I remember correctly, to sure. be to be with somebody. He gave up a part of himself to be with her, and that that's and that's a sacrifice, Justin. I, I feel that, uh, like so, I feel like see, he's that, sacrificing that. Strikes that. me. That so I can I can I, though I will also say that in, in the end not... of that scene um, where he's like, "I stayed behind for you." essentially like I waited for you and they left and they only left me this one vial of testosterone. Um, and she's like, wow, what a bunch of assholes. And he's like, we need to go to your mom. Sure. I mean, that that's makes what them- Sam says in that scene. So it's like, I, I get what, I mean, it's like, I get what both of you are saying. I'm, I'm not as like, Oh, Sam's an asshole. <laughs> As Justin may feel, I I, um, I I just think Sam's a I just think Sam's a person, really. Right, Sam is not Sam's not perfect, but it's like you know, I mean, Philip didn't say he was perfect. No, no. he said lovely human yeah. being, well, just I mean, a lovely human being. That 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 I, that, that sequence that, we get with the teacher, uh, Claire, you're on mute uh, if you're trying to jump in here. I'm just yelling at people um, <laughs> <laughs> on mute. <laughs> 
think we have to, a part of this isn't necessarily about seeing actions. I, uh, what I think where I disagree with Justin <laughs> is that I don't, I don't get a dangerously obsessive vibe from Sam. I also don't get a party person a vibe from Sam. I, I agree. Don't wait a minute, Justin. I agree that that's probably activities he's, he's participated in, in the past, but he's also been the voice of responsibility with hero from the very, very beginning. You need to stay in the meeting or you're not going to get, you're not going to get credit for it. You, we need to go to your mother. We, you know, this is the responsible thing to do. He's been the one guy trying to pull her to responsible, you know, logical decisions through the whole thing. So part of it is, is just, you know, I think a very clear vibe we're getting from the performance and from the way the, the character is being um, written when it, and when it comes to that argument with hero, yeah, we absolutely feel more of a masculine energy in that, but it was also an equal energy in the, in the, in the argument, like both of them. And that was my takeaway from the argument is like watching Roxanne twist that into a, Oh, the man is being the villain in this role. It's like, yeah, both people are being pretty horrible at the moment in sure. this conversation. So I, I, I'm, I'm sort of misrepresenting myself because I don't think Sam's a bad person. I just think Sam's a person. You know what I mean? Lovely human being. I, I haven't seen Sam be kind or generous to anyone but Hero. Uh, you know he, what I mean? He immediately went to be kind to the young girl who was left alone uh, along with Hero. What? Nora's daughter. They were immediately there to help. Wasn't, wait, wait, no, wasn't, wasn't he a lot more standoffish and a lot more like, uh, th that was Hero's hero moment. Hero immediately was doing the right thing. And I did not get that same... Well, obviously, she knows what to do in a situation like that. Of somebody course, injured. of course, uh, I get it. Like, and he's going to stand back. I'm not... Hero's awful. Hero's far worse than <laughs> yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah she's, no, a, she's just, a snot. Yeah, she's I just snot. don't see... I, I just... Lovely human being. Like, I wonder... I don't see a particular generosity or kindness or virtue from Sam. Sam loves Hero. Mm -hmm. And Sam is good to Hero. Yeah. Okay? And, and it's like, I, that I, doesn't make Sam lovely. That means that Sam loves Hero. That's all. Right. That's and, and that's that's as far as I've gotten with with Sam. <laughs> Sam has I think what I think what like I wouldn't put up an argument necessarily with calling Sam a lovely human being, though I will I will grant that Justin everything you're saying is true. Like like we haven't seen any particular hero moment from Sam, but I think that a lot of things come into play in that it's like how like we we look at Sam and Hero together and we clearly see that Hero is a worse person than Sam. Yeah, well, so I think by standing Sam in comparison, no, no, I know, but it's like, so by standing in comparison, it's like, oh, well, Sam seems to be a better person than Hero. And like, I think that, I mean, I, I personally, I root for Sam. I want Sam to be, okay i want sam to be happy <laughs> um, and so it's like i feel those ways about sam for sure i do too 
I yeah. absolutely do too. I, yeah. I, I worry about Sam. I wanted Sam to get the fuck away from Hero. Because <laughs> 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 Hero's the worst. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I mean, part of what I want for Sam is to see Sam become a lovely human being. To see Sam right. start to show these qualities that I definitely feel like Sam has not yet shown. I guess there, this, this is the first episode we've really gotten to see Sam on his own at the end uh, when he's playing the piano in the school. Oh, I love so And that, um, that interaction yeah, that with, with so the much. teacher, he's, he's gentle and he's kind. He's, I mean, he shows a lot of great qualities that I would think. I, every situation. Uh, would you say gentle and kind? I saw as cautious and evaluating which is perfect yeah, well the, there was that like, too there was that too because the teacher showed up know. and he was like what are you doing here mm-hmm. and she explains and then he's like i need to get out of here and yeah. then she yeah was he's like, like i'll leave and you then alone she was like no yeah. stay this has been the high point of my day and then he plays chopsticks for her um and that last second of him sitting back down and playing chopsticks for her while she starts singing along it was a great was beautiful gorgeous gorgeous that was lovely that was lovely it was a great moment if completely out of place in the episode for me but it was really i I, I loved it i I would prefer that to be an opening i mean this was so much about what was going on in the costco and with those women Mm -hmm. like i would have preferred that scene which i love don't get me wrong in a next episode. I would yeah, but I think we I think the- we needed yeah, I I'm not saying it couldn't have been in the next episode. I think it was important, at least for me, to have a sense that okay, Sam's away, but then I left I left that episode going, I don't know that he's far enough away. <laughs> yeah, I think we yeah, I think <laughs> we needed, needed to, to keep see going. him out of the circle a little bit. Yeah. yeah I, I, think, I, I, I think for that very reason, it would have been better served in another episode because maybe you know this is this is serialized television. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like keeping us guessing and wondering and hoping into the next episode. That's you know part I'm of the gonna, job. I'm I don't want to keep beating the dead Sam horse, even, and I'm glad that he's not actually a dead <laughs> Sam horse. Um, but I, I just want to throw this out there though, Justin. I think part of the vibe that of loveliness we get from Sam is not because of things that we see Sam doing overtly, but because of the way that other characters react to Sam and behave around him. So we, it, it, we see how hero relies on him. Now that could be healthy or unhealthy. Um, but mostly I think his, his interactions with her are, are fairly healthy. You know, I don't get the the dangerously obsessed with her vibe at all. I, you know, he's the I, one. He was the I one. Who, dangerously obsessed. What I mean is, I not a danger to hero. Like I think that he oh, is making him. really bad choices yeah. because he loves her. I don't. Yeah. I don't think. Well, I I think initially yes, but I don't think he's obsessed. I don't get the vibe that he's obsessed to the point of endangering himself because he's clearly not. He's out of the picture. He left. He yeah. broke. He he stopped roman- the romantic. He gave up, like Phil said. He gave up the opportunity to have testosterone, which he needs. You know, he and he gave up the safety of his other friends. Because he for knew hero. He, 
because of, and, uh, and if I, if I had a person who is my significant other, whether they were a best friend or not, and I was walking into the apocalypse and I knew that once we separated, we would likely never see each other again, I'd probably make the same sacrifice. And that yeah. doesn't make me obsessed with that person. It makes me willing to sacrifice for them. Yeah. I'm willing to sacrifice. Nicely done, for... Claire. I think that was the best point mm-hmm. yet. That was a great point. That was a great <laughs> yeah. point. But, um, like, <laughs> I'm curious if that would be true if your best friend was someone who didn't keep their promises to you, who was abusive to you, who oh, no. treated you like an afterthought in some ways, who like and who when they needed you all of a sudden became attracted to you. Do you know what I'm saying? I Absolutely. have been manipulated yeah. by that kind of woman before. Do you know what sure. I mean? When I was very young, I I, I mean, that sort of thing has happened. And yeah. This isn't just a best friend stop. This is hero. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. no, I, and also I, I do it's get like that. Yes. we have to we can't really talk about like, oh, well, I would make this rational decision in the middle of an apocalypse. You know? <laughs> Look, so I it's agree. like it's, Again, it makes sense I'm not that saying... Sam would make an emotional decision during the apocalypse. I'm not saying that <laughs> Sam is a bad person. I'm saying that no, Sam not, has not yeah, earned not the descriptor yeah. lovely human being. That's my point. <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> Sam again, has not earned that descriptor. I tried to not beat a dead horse, but then we did a little bit again. All I'm going to say is that I will put money, Justin, down like a, a bet with you right now that by the time we get to the end of the season, that Sam is going to be a lovely person. I think that's, I, Sam, I, I, I believe that's Sam's journey. That's what I yeah. want. Mm-hmm. Sam, I mean, I, I literally, I said that earlier, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I believe that Sam's journey, but Justin, Justin, to your point that he's been kind of standoffish. I mean, the first group of people that he actually comes around are a bunch of man hating people that he feels unsafe around like uh, until now. Yeah. 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 I'm not and saying like, Sam's like, unjustified. He, I'm not vilifying well, Sam. No, I know I'm that. Saying, <laughs> I'm saying you said he was a lovely human yeah, being. I do. Why? And I have <laughs> nothing that any of you have said yet. Has he been, has really, He's lovely because of these qualities. Because he he has really pretty eyes, Justin. His, like he sacrifices. That's not, that doesn't make you lovely. That that's stupid. What he did was stupid. <laughs> okay. Okay. Look, he didn't do it for someone who looks out for him. He didn't do it for. It wasn't an equal uh, re- relationship that they have. He didn't do that for a good person. He did that for someone who, uh, to his own detriment, who will continue to make things bad for him, and he knows it, mm-hmm. and he knows it. Well, he knew That's, it. Look, he say, knew saying it. I'm willing to sacrifice because I'm in love with someone who's bad for me and will lead me to do bad things. That's not heroic or lovely. That's not. Well, no, it's it's not not heroic or lovely. It may be ill-advised and unhealthy, right, right. but the act so of sacrifice is it, shouldn't be vilified, though. I'm not, in that. Look, okay, I'm not vilifying it. I'm okay, just want to make sure. Let's just say once and for all, it Justin make him likes Sam. <laughs> Justin yes. likes yeah, the character. Yeah. He does Sam. like Sam. Yes, Justin I'm, I'm is not vilifying Sam. Yes, I, I I am rooting for that character. Yeah, and you'll I agree. Think Sam's whole arc is to get out of this place where he has been because of his relationship with Hero. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. that was not that was not the arc of a lovely human being. I, I, I mean, I believe this, and I, th- this is kind of why I asked the question in the first place. If Sam wasn't marginalized we would not be describing Sam. If Sam was a cis male, we would not be describing Sam as a lovely human being. 
Um, okay. I'm gonna have to give some thought. I believe to that. that. I don't know. I believe that. I uh, and I think because I haven't seen. To me, you know, being truly egalitarian, truly equal, like you know, is to hold everyone to the same standard of behavior. Do you well, know what I'm saying? Sure. And certainly, you justify certain behaviors because, look, this person's been through things you've never been through, and I get all that. I'm just, but I guess, I've not yet seen Sam be kind or virtuous or generous or anything like that. Saying that I would sacrifice for my best friend or my wife. That's that's the basics. That's you don't get a cookie for that. Oh, I'm not sure I entirely agree with that. And I'm not sure I entirely agree with what I hope we're not saying that someone isn't a lovely person because they're because they do things as part of being in an unhealthy relationship. Uh, what I'm saying is as well. So what I'm saying but, is what has Sam what done saying. to earn that descriptor? That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, no, no. We I, I yeah. We get it. We're going to have to think about it. I'm going to have to think about it more, I think. Because I'm, I'm inclined to go with my gut instinct. And that's part of what's informing me about this character. That's fair. Right? Saying, look, I just feel like ultimately Sam is going to be revealed to be a lovely person. I would, I, I'm like, okay, I get that. That's fair. But I don't see how Sam has become lovely. I mean, I, I think that's the path Sam is on, you know? But I, I don't think Sam's there yet. And I, I, I like Sam. Again, like Sam's one of my favorite characters on the show. Yeah, and that could be it for, I mean, and I don't mean to speak for Philip because he's the one who wrote down lovely human being that started this entire thing. But it's like, but it's like, I, I like you're saying, Justin, like you can see that arc for him, right? The yeah. arc where he ends up, where we end up describing him that way without it leading to an argument. So- I, and maybe that's what it is too that we are kind of looking at the same arc and just kind of like yeah we may be like you know getting ahead of ourselves and labeling Sam a lovely human being but I think maybe part of it is this confidence that that is going to be shown based on what we've seen so far and and that I felt and saw in those last few moments of the episode mm -hmm. like I don't know yeah. if I would have described him that three episodes ago Okay. Is that fair? <laughs> like, like, I don't know if I would describe that. No, like no, it's that. perfectly, it's yeah. perfectly fair. It, I mean, I don't want to get any further in the weeds on this. Do you right. know what I'm saying? But like the fact that we saw Sam reach out to another human being is good. It's a great sign. Yeah. It's not, it's not character defining though. Do you well, know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. Maybe yes. again though. Yeah. Like, again, like the characters he's been surrounded by since the apocalypse have all been pretty yeah, shitty. I agree. And well, so you know, he hasn't and, really had that opportunity yet. And now we're getting to see him because he's on his own. We're getting to see him with his own agency. Being I think. less I, shitty than the shitty people doesn't make you good. Sure. Okay. Sure. But I didn't think he's done just anything listen, shitty. I, I have, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll move the last on. word on this. Yeah, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on well, to some no. hot takes. Uh, we're going to, we're, we're coming close to the end here of the hour. Uh, um, uh, Unless Claire, that was like super. Do you, do you, no, I just was going to say, I absolutely do understand Justin's point about not equating our feelings about his, his character being trans with our assessment of him as a person. And that's absolutely what this show is about. I think the only reason why we're having this argument is because we have such a complex 
interesting character being portrayed for us who is not just yeah. doing one note things right it's once again and again it goes back to that argument that he and and hero are having i love that scene i thought that was yeah. brilliantly done Incredible. this, I loved this it too. portrayal I loved it too. of of human conflict that immediately gets interpreted five different ways and yeah. it, that was really nicely done and it was a super real engagement like, oh yeah again like that 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 took me to places it, it in my life do you know what i'm saying exactly. that yeah, took likewise. me to this absolutely that took likewise. me to, to arguing with my ex-wife you know mm -hmm. that was very real and i really loved you know to, to kind of sum that up without feeling like i really loved like the kicker for me for sam was when sam is talking to nora and this is why i was like sam you just took that ball to the hole when sam was like he was like it's not always about me being trans mm -hmm. yeah you know and i was like mm, thank you thank you yeah, yeah. because that, well, speaks to, like, that should speak to his entire storyline yeah you know? well yeah, yeah but also but and i yeah same and then like <laughs> the argument with hero starts with her being like oh well, no we should stay because everybody here likes you and he's like is that because they don't see me as a man you sure. know and it's like it's still like there's there's still such a there's still such complexity to it all yeah. that this show is so good at addressing in all I, of these ways that in that yeah, moment i felt very aware of the number of times in my life when i have been called one of the good ones by mm. white friends do you know what I mean? Like that sort of, that kind of microaggression, you know? Mm. And, you know, Hero does, and I was like, I, I, when Hero said that, I was like, Sam, you got to go. I, at that yeah. point, I was like, <laughs> I was like, you got to go. Yeah. That is, no friend would ever ask you to do that. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? I was, whoo. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, some of that can be put on the fact that uh, she's being, we haven't even talked about Hero being drawn into the cult and just uh, having her, yeah. her mind so just so incredibly twisted and it's it's so well written each twist and turn of that screw that roxanne puts on her to kind of change her perception of people in her life that she loves and cares for and how easily it occurs um as i kelly sue has pointed out uh previously that um people who are addicted and have addictions uh, it's a lot easier for them to fall into these sort of uh i guess uh social I don't know what you cults, I guess. Well, I, you know, it's degree. also people who have been victimized and sure. traumatized. And on a certain level, that's what being addiction is. I mean, it yeah. is a certain, it is a type of, you are, an addict is a victim to a degree. Right. You know, and this was the first episode that I got a feeling that there's something very specific that happened between Hero and Jennifer, that it isn't just a general hate for her mom, that there's something very specific. Uh, and I can't, pinpoint the moment in which i felt that um i hope it's not something specific i, I, I hope so you, i hope so too but I, I did get like this i was like oh well, no and it's like again this and i think i might be remembering something because i like i said i rewatched the first two episodes last mm -hmm. night but i think in the second episode when sam is trying to get hero to go to the capital and to go to her mom and he's like i don't give he and he's like i don't give a shit whatever happened between the two of you a hundred years ago before the world fell apart 
you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I kind of have been sensing for a while that it was a specific thing that it's been, it was like years of building and years of like kind of a general disdain for each other, but that there might be as that there is probably a specific thing that's keeping her from really like from even considering the possibility of finding safety in the capital. Also, Kimberly mentions in the first episode that she, the last time she had seen Hero was, I'm assuming at her dad's inauguration. Right. If I remember correctly. So that mm-hmm. implies that, that Hero was at least in person doing family dictated events. Sure. As of a few couple of, you know, no more than like three years ago probably or something and it, like yeah and um kimberly also implied that hero made quite the scene yeah clearly like got dr- <laughs> i'm assuming got drunk and yeah yeah, yeah. um it's interesting well we'll uh, i'm sure there'll be more to discuss about these uh elements over the next couple episodes as we come to the end of the mm-hmm. season um <laughs> oh, uh, but thank you everyone that was uh an intoxicating conversation um <laughs> Uh, it really was like it genuinely was um i'm not just being uh snarky like i'm i can be um before i get to my one hot take here are a couple of kelly sue's hot takes uh this history of how the amazons became the amazons is so incredible it grounds something that could have been trite and man-hating into a powerful and poignant experience their anger is so valid and we also see the danger in that kind of rage um and then she also says i think it's interesting to look at the similarities between sam and nora the only two people see, who see through Roxanne and the cult, both outsiders for different reasons and therefore both able to see through the facade. Um, so those are Kelly Sue's hot takes. My hot take has less to do with this episode and more to do with something we were talking about in the interview yesterday that's been rattling around in my brain um, and that I actually brought up to uh, Eli on via a message on Twitter. Um, I had the initial reaction that the, the bonding they went through on you know, set behind the scenes that you feel them talking about in this collaboration, this collaborative sort of thing, uh, was very much based on theater because uh, she has a theater background and everything. And as I sat here thought, thinking about it, I was like, oh, fuck, it's, it's because there's no men on set. It's because they don't have to answer to men. They don't have to be careful about being a certain way around men. They don't have to be, uh, they don't have to watch themselves. They don't have to worry about certain things that otherwise they might have to worry about, especially in the film industry when men can be absolute douchebags about their space and their power. And, and, and as we saw in this episode, it can even happen at a price max. Um, and I messaged her that. I was like, and, and she basically confirmed that that was, it gave them freedom to really be who they were, that they had the freedom not only to create create without a man saying hey but wait a minute are you sure a woman would do that <laughs> or but they also <laughs> had the freedom just to be who they are without having to worry about how a man would react and mm-hmm. i got- especially especially with the topics that they're addressing yeah. because i guarantee you putting a even the most well-meaning man mm-hmm. into that equation of trying to depict these issues, there's a certain sort uh, amount of, of hedging that women will sure. do in order to make yeah. those issues okay for the men. Yeah, for, them. And for that's man something to, yeah. everybody, you know, who's marginalized, you know, experiences. And that's what I was, yeah, yeah that's actually where I was going to take it. Oh, go ahead, Lisa. You wanted to- yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that, um, 
I mean, I've been thinking a lot lately as more and more women are involved in productions that are behind, like in behind the camera roles. Um, I feel like I'm starting to kind of just notice more and more that um, the style of storytelling that we have um, gotten so accustomed to definitely feels like it's, it comes from kind of a masculine place and there are, and I feel like a lot of times, especially since Hollywood has been so male dominated for such a long time, that there's only one way to do this. There's only one way to tell this story. There's only one way to do like, you know, you've got to have the three act arc and it's got to be shaped this way. And you have to make sure you're hitting all these points in the formula because that's what we figured out. And so I kind of, I, I've been thinking a lot about like um, different styles of storytelling that can be allowed to happen when you broaden your perspectives a little bit. And I mean, like, and I, I, I feel like I see some of that coming out too. And especially in the style of collaborating where it's like, um, ugh, I'm going to nerd out really quickly here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm in good company for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I only recently discovered, like within the last couple of months, the <clears throat> Ursula K. Le Guin theory of um, like the carrier bag theory of fiction. Has anybody heard of this? No. I might um, have, but it's, please it's say basically so like what she what she kind of posits in this larger theory is that it's like, so we're so accustomed to like, she, she equates like the shape of story to the two like early human tools. And she's like, we're so accustomed to the style of storytelling that's shaped like a spear, um, which is like clearly a very like masculine tool. And it has this kind of arced shape to it. And it's always, it's got this like, you know, forward momentum to it. It's got this real clear goal. Um, but she's like, in, but she posits that even an earlier tool than that was the carrier bag when we were gatherers and that you collect experiences, you collect all these different elements and they don't, nec- it's not always necessarily attached to like just going towards this one goal. And it's not always in this pretty shape, in this like nicely defined shape that you can have a story that's basically a collection of moments and experiences for your character. Um, And so I've been thinking about that a lot ever since I kind of like came across this. And I've definitely been thinking of it a lot as we watch this show that has so many women involved in the storytelling of it, that it can look different and the process of making it, like you're saying, Philip, like the process of making it can look so different because you're bringing all of these collected experiences of all of these women together and letting them have a space to be. Right. Yeah. Um, can you give me an example, if possible? I mean, in, oh gosh, <laughs> of of a carrier bag type of storytelling. Um, it's a little, like, I kind of think of the carrier bag, like I, I, I started thinking of it, especially like when looking at like Eastern styles of storytelling, Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're not necessarily following like, you know, the structure that we in the West are accustomed to. And it's, I started this journey when I, you know, I talked about this movie, um, 
I recommended this movie a while back on Murder Husbands. Um, Only Lovers Left Alive, made by Jim Jarmusch. Mm-hmm. And Jim oh. Jarmusch definitely makes movies yeah. like this. Yeah. Like that is his yeah. style. We just he watched doesn't... that movie because of your recommendation, Lisa. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the fav- my most liked things that I've watched in it's a long so, time. It's so great, it's right? So and good. it's not, it doesn't have this like, it doesn't necessarily have this driving force behind it. Mm-mm. It's like these collected scenes between all of these characters that it it ends and you're like, you're left completely satisfied mm-hmm. and it didn't follow any three act structure. Yeah. And so that's my, that's the example I'll give well, in this moment. I, I would recommend the obvious examples, Justin or Ursula K. Le Guin novels. I mean, I think, yeah. the left, <laughs> I think the left hand of darkness is exactly that. It is a collection of experiences that the main character has, but there's no end plot goal achieved. There's no climactic whatever achieved. It's just, you're along with this person who's living their life and learning things as they go. Uh, quite a few Le Guin novels are like that. And I, I would feel I would, like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I would throw on into the pot, Miranda July, a film director who definitely makes films like that. And speaking of Eastern influences, Wong Kar Wai, in, in the mood for love is a remarkable film uh, and, and basically any of his movies. And, and the more you kind of dig into Eastern uh, films, they don't follow the three act structure uh, uh, really ever. Uh, Kira Kurosawa and they don't necessarily never really... follow an arc either. No, you, no, know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you look at Seven Samurai. Yeah, there was like a goal that had to be accomplished, but it wasn't like a three act structured goal that that um, even even with Kurosawa, he was not following that sort of storytelling structure. I remember so. experiencing that kind of story structure for the first time when I saw the movie um, The Sheltering Sky with John Malkovich and Deborah Winger. And it is just a couple having experiences and, and things happen. And, and I remember just being shaken like to my core by it because <laughs> I realized, oh, there's this very satisfying way of understanding humans that is completely outside of, of them needing to like accomplish something significant. It's just in watching them be in their environment. Yeah. And Lisa, you brought up Igmar Bergman a couple podcasts yeah. ago with yeah. Persona and all, mm-hmm. all of his stuff is, is very much like yeah. that. Um, totally. And, you know, you can say that, oh, but it's a drama. But I mean, then there's like he makes horror movies and he makes other things as well. And, you know, uh, psychological dramas and uh you know the eastern storytellers they make action movies like this so yeah it's it's some pretty great stuff um i feel like lisa was that your recommendation i was just about to say <laughs> <laughs> it like you, could very much you know what sure all right yeah. we've got we've got a buttload of recommendations there based on lisa's recommendation um uh and i think yeah you know, uh, so yeah, my, my hot take was basically, I was just kind of walking around pissed off all day yesterday at, uh, you know, film, it, it, the, the environments that we create for oh. people that are negative that, and that we don't allow. We just don't allow. And it sucks. It sucks. All right, everybody. That episode was, uh, give me a second. Listen, all, we're getting better every day, you yeah. know, like, you know, we, we, it sometimes had... feels like we're going all backwards. It's yeah. 
but remember it's two steps forward. We're only taking one step back. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Overall uh, progress is being made. I still believe that. So. Oh, agreed. Agreed. And, you know, talking about this brings up personal experiences as well. So um, that episode yeah. was guys, everybody here, that <laughs> episode was Lisa. Spectacular. Claire, that episode was. <laughs> Lovely. I was going to say, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Claire. 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 Oh, that made my whole I think it made day. everybody's day. It made my life. <gasps> um, yeah, to quote the teacher in the classroom, this is the high point of my day. <laughs> uh, we now go to a destroyed Justin. Uh, that episode was. Good. Get a last word in now, sucker. <laughs> um, um, revel- it, it was enthralling. It was enthralling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, that episode was uh, a revelation. It was amazing. Uh, I right? said revelatory. Oh, yeah. did you? Oh, that's ah! funny. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty great oh, stuff. Um, damn it. <laughs> uh, so we've done the recommendation. So, I mean, look, look, if you guys like this conversation, if you like us really good at digging in uh, like we did, <laughs> Uh, there's a lot more. Uh, so subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon, or wherever you like podcasts. Uh, tune in next Friday as we talk about uh, the next episode of this on that episode was titled Peppers. Curious title. Uh, we're also currently releasing new episodes of Murder Husbands, our deep dive appreciation of Brian Fuller's Hannibal every Tuesday. Uh, if you haven't yet listened to our interview with um, showrunner and creator of the show, Eliza Clark, uh, Ashley Romans, who plays 355, and Amber Tamblin, who plays KCC, uh, Kimberly, otherwise known as Kimberly Campbell Clark, right? Kimberly Campbell Clark. Cunningham. Yes. Cunningham. Sorry, I'm so used to seeing KCC, I forgot her name. Isn't, is, it, <laughs> isn't it kind of cool? Because I feel like we added KCC to their lexicon. I think so. We did. I, I think, think so. Did. And yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> Just going to take credit for it no oh. matter what. So. <laughs> 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 Uh, and definitely follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social medias. Um, follow our social, so follow our social medias, uh, uh, which are in the description on the podcast and on our website at popsiclepod.com, where all of the latest news and announcements will also be. That's Popsicle Pod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production. You know, this isn't Law and Order. You know what I mean? This isn't, you know. It is not. Although, Roxanne wishes it was. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why I made that reference. Bingo. Bingo. Also, Someone needs to give a shout out to Missy Pyle because she. Oh my God. I gave her, I I made a whole appreciation tweet for her this morning. Her performance. I just, well, yeah. in Ireland in this last episode, like yeah. it's, mm-hmm. and that's my only complaint. And it's not really a complaint. It's just that, like, every time I see another character, it's like, I, I want more of that character. I want more yeah. of this, you know, I even want more of Ben Schnetzer because, you know, 
it, because everybody's great. He's so awesome, great. So much time, like, like, oh God, why is the worst? But it's like, <laughs> he's but so good. He's but not. He's, so he's brilliant. Because he's so good. Yeah. yeah. He has I'm good... actually, I'm obsessed with Hero because she's the worst. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's the worst. And I'm just like, oh, girl. And hurt people hurt people. Okay. Yeah. That's what happens. It's such a true. It's such a great problem to have in the show that you can't have everybody on the screen all the time being you right. know giving us everything we want and that's really like where we are with the show it's like i just need more it's like, yeah it's more... long form storytelling the way a comic book is like yeah. you, that's yeah. how the comic book works like I, you know i i also just feel like the show is so much about identity like you have to see who these people were and how they become something else and i hope what will happen is that then you when you you rewatch the show in its entirety, having watched all the seasons, and you're like, holy shit, that's where Nora started? Or whatever. Yeah. You know, like you're remembering, yeah. oh my God, like, and now look what she is, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was uh, like watching the, oh, sorry, Ashley. Go on. No, no, no. What are you going to say? I was just going to say, watching last night's episode, I was like flashing back to like when Nora was holding the gun that she had put in the backpack by the river. And I flashed back to like her very first scene yeah. where she's yeah. like, not going to touch the gun at the shooting range. And I was like, I'm seeing the connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Day two. Even that moment of small tiny destruction that seemed harmless when she knocks over the vase mm-hmm. and then you see what she becomes in eight mm-hmm. and i mean she and then she, you could believe it or not in the next two episodes she's even more unrecognizable mm-hmm. <laughs> also, <laughs> to me like that moment where she sets the fire in the price max is mm-hmm. almost like the same moment as yeah. knocking the vase off yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's just a bigger it's like this tiny motion mm-hmm. that is like there's a sub there is a there's rage inside of her but she doesn't have a valve like she doesn't have friends and she doesn't have feminism and she doesn't have anything that can help her make sense of the world and why she feels so small in it and so it's like there's no you know it's it's mm-hmm. kind of flapping in the wind <laughs> before it boils over yeah. I, I thought she was just going to set uh, Missy Pyle on fire. I was like, oh my well, God, I think she wanted we go. to. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what Nora wanted to do. Right. But, the, you know. the great thing about that was because everyone had shat on her at that point. Her own daughter had shat on her, you know? Well, and I, I was, when she tipped that, I was like, what, what is she about to do? Like, I, I, I genuinely, I was like, is, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And that was a great feeling. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And when she, and I found myself wondering when she was going in and, you know, waking Hero up and saying, you got to get out, you got to get the building on fire. I was like, did she realize that she was going to do this before she set the fire? Where was or her did daughter? She, or did she Inside. go, oh. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> like, like her daughter's in, I kept yelling at the TV. My husband was Same like, here. shut up. I, I'm I like, your daughter is in there. there. <laughs> and I honestly, I thought we were getting ready to get to a point where she was just leaving her daughter. Like I would not have been shocked after the scene with the gun and the backpack by the river. I thought that look on her face was okay. I'm, I'm leaving my daughter. I'm, I'm making that okay for myself in my head and I'm going to go. Oh, Bye. that begs a question. And maybe this is something that we will edit out of this conversation and put to our episode about <laughs> episode eight, but am I the only one who came to the realization eventually, Oh, Kate who gets killed at the beginning of the episode 
Mm-hmm. Yes. She found out about Roxanne's. She found out the truth about Roxanne. She found the police car. That's why she's soaking it, wet. Yeah, yeah like I, I didn't get that at first, and then I was like, oh. Well, because like, I love. I mean, I love the structure of that episode. Mm-hmm. How the flashbacks are working backward, so you're yeah. like mm-hmm. very disoriented. Little. And if if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, is is that the same woman that we? first are introduced to Roxanne through who then yeah. she she then kills on the table yeah so she okay. mercy kills the person yeah, she yeah. mercy she kills yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah, yeah. that's so great it was just oh, wonderful yeah 